When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has she been inspired by a calling, crafted her journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversations and to use them to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Julianne Bootsman, who is Chief Spiritual Officer, Conscious Leadership Coach, Speaker, and Author. Though she flourished through four successful careers, Juliana only ever had one vocation, to love. Love is what resurrected her from years of secretive bulimia and a traumatic divorce. It's what fuels her fire for motherhood and lights the way of her company, White Box Leadership. Juliana is a chief spiritual officer and conscious leadership coach that works with companies and leaders from around the world. She builds and facilitates conscious leadership training programs that guide companies and leaders to live and operate from the foundation of love with both heart and head working together to create outcomes where everyone thrives. As Chief Spiritual Officer, Juliana is a leader in human growth and culture change, connecting the spirit of who you are to the spirit of what you do. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Juliana. Hello, it's so nice to be here. It's such a pleasure. What helped you decide to develop your spirit in business model? For me, uh, it goes back to actually when I was quite young. Uh, I grew up uh, as dance being my number one plan A. There was nothing else I was going to do. This is what I was going to do as my profession. Mm -hmm. So I pursued that as a young, um, as a young person and um, and really, uh, just gave it, put everything into that. And so when I was about 16, I have what I call my sort of first real spiritual experience mm -hmm. where I was at, um, this huge dance convention. Normally there's like anywhere between 300 and 500 people in the room wow. and I'm there and I'm by far not the best dancer in the room at all, but I loved it. Mm -hmm. It was my passion it was where my purpose, I, it was the thing I was going to do in my life. And I was standing there in this room and the teacher at that time that was teaching that, that particular um, class 
I like to describe him as like the Richard Simmons of dance. Mm -hmm. That's what he looked like. That's what his energy was. He was just this remarkable man. And he created this piece of choreography for us um, to, to dance to. And it was my turn to, to go and dance. And they, they split us off into like 50 people at a time to stand on the ballroom. And I laid my hands by my side at the beginning of this number and the music starts to play. And I just hear and feel myself go, just let it all go. Mm -hmm. Surrender yourself completely into this moment, into this experience and just let it all go. So I let go of any ideas that I'm lacking in anything, that I am not the best, that, and just really surrender to it. And I started to move to that music in a way that I've never felt myself before. And at some point through it, I had tears going down my eyes and I'm moving almost like I'm having an, almost like an out-of-body experience. Like what mm -hmm. is happening? Like I've never felt this before. And I, the music stops. I look over at my teacher who's standing on the edge uh, watching and she's got tears streaming down her face. And she says to me, Juliana, I've never seen you move like that. I said, I've never felt myself move like that. And in that moment, there was a knowingness that came over me that our ability to reach our fullest potential, to, to reach uh, um, expressions and, and our abilities that are at our highest at, that, at any given point in time, doesn't come from needing to train more, push more. There's an unlocking that happens when we completely release and surrender into this spirit inside of us into this peace within us. And we just give ourselves fully to a moment and, um, and just let go of all of the rest of the stuff. And then I would work from there. I started to really take that, what I like to call it like technology. There was a technology that was unlocked in me. That is this technology of the spirit mm -hmm. that then I took and I started to use with dancers when I started to train them. So I did pursue a dance. Um, I did pursue a dance career and, uh, but in that, like my expanded story, which I don't know if we need to get into today, but I have oh, it written, yes. um, mm -hmm. in a chapter of a book that just got published and put out, um, called our yellow brick road. And in there, I have a chapter called the language of the soul. And I share my full story in there about this, mm. but I, I, um, I went and I really pursued this profession. I was in New York, but then I started to meet all of those, what I call foreign languages of the world like greed and fear and doubt and insecurity and uh, all of these things. And it became hard to sustain this path of the soul, this path of the spirits, this freedom to really let go. Um, and, uh, and so through all of that though, I kept teaching dance and I was working with dancers at the time as well um, to be able to activate these parts in them, to be able to support them, to see how they could become exponentially better in a very short amount of time, how their ability to creatively open up. And we would see our dancers experience shifts in, in the course of a single class or over the course of a week when we were doing intensives with them and things like that. And so in that environment, that gave me the knowing that there is something within us that we can then access that puts us in that place with our wisdom intuition, creativity, uh, this pure potentiality. And so since then, you know, um, Deepak Chopra has a book out called the seven spiritual laws of success. Mm -hmm. First law is the law of pure potentiality. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how the, the, the full expansiveness that lives in all of nature, the ability for everything that just happens naturally for a, 
for that. You know, we talk, you know, you hear people talking about the acorn, that seed that looks like nothing, but in it carries everything that it needs to be able to grow into this massive tree. And so, and that lives in us and unlocks in us, you know, always. And so um, I pursued the dance career and then I ended up teaching dance. Um, and, and as I continued to go along my path, I ended up leaving dance behind as what became my career. And I went into PR and marketing um, mm-hmm. there. I was working with people to be able to identify um, who they really are what is in their essence of who they are and how do we bring that into the expression so that the audience and the people who are supposed to work with them can find them because they're now authentically expressing themselves at their essence at who they really are, what they're really here to do. Um, And, uh, but with that, it started to become out of alignment because clients were, we were getting them to that point where we could live, we could find the the outwardly expression of it but the inner work hadn't been done within all parts of the organization to actually really be living that in all ways. And so that's what took me into the coaching work. And at this stage now, uh, the work that I do is being able to go in with organizations and say, when we can connect on the level of who you are at your essence, at your spirit, we then activate the highest level of potential within you to be able to, um, to be able to perform at your best. And to be able to even find out what that is and to find out what are the areas that you even want to be expressing in or performing in or working mm-hmm. in and, and how we then connect with the world around us in a way that's, that's true to us. That's and perfectly in flow. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a long answer there, but well, yeah. And so one place, and then that was the thread that drew all the way through all parts of my life. Mm-hmm. So what you were doing is helping people tap into their own genius. Yeah, really. your genius lives at the soul level. Mm-hmm. How were you able to uh, coax that from people that you were working with? How did you have them uh, tap into the true essence of who they were in order to work from that level? Mm-hmm. There is a willingness in them to mm-hmm. want to find that out. So first, like if they're, if someone's not interested in knowing or finding out, then that's, you know, not possible yeah. um, or it takes time or, you know, you, there's just patience in that. So not pushing at it, but really it um, it's continuing to connect into, I often say it's like a game of hot or cold. Okay. And so, you know, in that childhood game where you're, where something's hidden mm-hmm. and then you have to, you help somebody find it. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is hidden somewhere within them. Mm-hmm. And, and then we go on a journey of going, what feels hot? Where is it starting to feel like warm? What's mm-hmm. feeling cold? Sometimes the people have described as feeling what feels constricted and what feels expansive. Mm-hmm. And we begin to identify what in their life, what in the way that they're showing up in their, in their behavior or expression, um, feels expansive, feels like it's warm, feels like I just want more of that. And what's feeling constricted, what feels a bit cold, and we just come into awareness of it. So there's a model that I use called COA, which is K-O-A. And the K stands for knowing. So often clients or all of us have a lot of things that we know. Mm-hmm. We actually know we like to do that thing. We actually know this is the place where we feel most at peace or at home. We actually know that these are the people that we just love to spend time with. We actually know that these are the 
tools and the skills and the thought processes that are going to help me, you know, achieve that, that, which I'm desiring, you know, simple examples, like, you know, I know that if I, if I want to be able to be healthier physically, that I should probably start, that I should eliminate these few things that Mm -hmm. I should start walking consistently every day, even if it's for 10 minutes, it doesn't mean that I'm actually doing it, but we'll keep reading all the books. We'll listen to all the podcasts. We'll take all this stuff in, but we're still not seeing change. And so that's where it goes to the owning, which is the O. And I see like a KOA model. The O is like a, becomes like a portal. It becomes like a slipstream where we go into the owning piece. And that's where the hotter game, hotter, cold game comes in, where we go, where we really start to own, you know what, this over here does feel cold, mm-hmm. it does feel constrictive. And sometimes that's really hard because it requires a change. It might require a letting go. It might require a bit of an identity shift. We've been identifying ourselves by this thing. That's actually kind of cold and constrictive. And this over here feels warm. I know I love it, but I haven't been living into it for a while. So if I start moving into there, what's going to happen. So the more that we really spend time in this, oh, owning phase and come to a place where we, where we are, where our awareness around that is clear. And we begin to know and connect our identity to that part that is warm, that moves mm-hmm. in that direction. And there's a bit of a, um, for me, when I've used this, this model has guided me in my life. Um, when I can really own what's happening and I can see that truth is this direction, love for me, my truth is this. And I connect, I lean into that. Mm. It's the same thing that happened when I was 16 in that dance, the action just occurs. I didn't actually try and dance like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't make that happen. I owned what I was no longer wanting to be or try so hard to like perform in a certain way. I let go of those things and then the action just happened. And so the, and that's what is so beautiful is that it almost just becomes, you know, at sometimes it's like, these are the moments where I've gone, I've like, oh my gosh, so I look back. I'm like, look at what happened. And it did the acting part action part actually didn't even feel that hard anymore or at all. But what happens is when the action feels really hard, we've skipped the owning. We just go from K to A. We just go from knowing to acting. And then we're pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's this hustling and it feels like a grind and it feels really hard. Um, The owning phase, I'm not saying it's going to feel easy. No. But that's the phase where we, we let ourselves, it's the, it's what we might even say. It's like being, it's the pregnancy phase. It's the part where where you let yourself be in that phase. And then when it comes into action, it just flows. It just begins to happen. Things just begin to present themselves. And uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of, you asked me like, how do we really. Right. How do you do it? And so, you know, a lot of people uh, will say, just get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's, uh, it ends up being a cliche because what, where am I in my own way? I mean, unless you have a conscious awareness of what you're struggling against and that that's not the right thing to do, you can't get out of your own way until you're taught a different way Hmm. is just to put yourself in the background and let things unfold. Right. And that's, is how would you explain it? Mm -hmm. I think that, um, like what you just said, you can't actually 
you don't always know where you're in your own way. No, you don't. Yeah. And, and so my response to that is where you do know, if there have been things that have been coming up a rough already, Mm -hmm. there is something that you do know. I know I'm in my own way because I keep saying that I'm going to get up at 7am and I keep hitting snooze for 20 more minutes. And then I get up and I rush and I can feel my whole day is turned off, is put off. Yeah. That's a knowingness. And I actually do know I'm in my own way. The challenge is how do I need to own what's really happening there so that the action can just change the parts where we don't know where where we're in our own way sometimes is where there is like, um, just a repeat pattern that we're so blind to Mm -hmm. or a way that we're, we're responding to things. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a, a, a experience that happened this, I was away on a retreat this past weekend and my partner Mm -hmm. and I were, um, were, uh, having a conversation with somebody. And when, when the two of us get into conversations with somebody, um, we're just really both all there with them. And we had another friend walk by and we said, Oh, come in. We want to, we want you to meet this other friend of ours. And he got pulled into our conversation. One of the things he said to us is he said, you know, when the two of you are talking to somebody, it's like, you're, you really make them feel so mm-hmm. like they're the only one that exists. Like they yeah. so cared for. And he says, I just don't know if I am you guys. So when we pulled him into the conversation, we were so not mindful or even aware that he didn't want to be there anymore. And now he's (laughs) struggling in this tension of like, how do I get out of this? (laughs) How do I get out of this? Mm -hmm. And both of us had this awareness of, oh, in the process of trying to bring people together or to do this, um, we actually created a, something that wasn't that comfortable for him. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, we were sort of in our own way of being able to really create, um, connection and unity, we weren't, we were doing the opposite. We were keeping him somewhere where he didn't want to be because we weren't mindful of just, um, we assumed that he would want to join the conversation when he didn't. And then he didn't know how to exit without being rude. Mm -hmm. So he shared with us that. And we thought, oh, it's so mindful. Like like you've really brought that to our attention. We'll be so mindful of that next time to be able to say, introduce, like, you know, go on and leave or pay attention to what's really around us and, and to Mm -hmm. be able to support people in that. So, I mean, that's such a small little example of, of just things that we aren't aware of. And so Mm -hmm. very open to receiving feedback, being, being to request it. There's a model that I use called the Jahari window. And in it, um, it talks about the, the things that we know, the things that are in our blind spot, the things that we are consciously hiding and the things that are totally out of our awareness. Mm-hmm. So the way that we grow that box is by um, the, the first box is everything that other people know about us. And we also know about ourselves. And so that's everything that's open, but to reveal our blind spots, we have to consciously be willing to ask people, what are you seeing that I'm not? Mm-hmm. But one of the most powerful questions that I often ask to support with growth forward is two, one, um, and this was something that I heard, um, one of the poets and uh, that I love is David white. And he shared this in a session that he was leading. And he said to ask yourself the question, what is the question that I'm most afraid to ask, but is probably the exact one that I need to be asking myself. Oh boy. What is the question I'm most afraid to ask, Mm -hmm. but is probably the exact one I need to ask myself. And that alone when you sit with that is going to reveal something in you that is, that is hiding 
Mm -hmm. I don't know, but there's enough knowing that there are some questions, but if I I start exploring down that road, it's going to create change. I don't know what I'm going to find. So that, and then the other one is to then go and ask somebody else, what are you seeing in me that I am not doing, or that I could be doing that if I did do it, it could really move me forward in a direction that is true for me. So you ask a trusted friend, spiritual director, somebody in your life, um, these questions and be willing to receive it. So that's the blind spot. And then the hidden stuff, you know, the first question I asked kind of reveals some of the hidden stuff, but the hidden stuff is going, what am I concealing? What is it that I feel like I just can't share with people? Because if they found this out about me, you know, I would no longer be loved or cared for. They would see me in a different light. It would make me, you know, all of the things. So being able to begin to reveal what is hidden and, and, and request um, to receive what I can't see. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, it opens up this unknown quadrant in our lives that really reveals this magic. And so, yeah, so that's mm-hmm. one of the different ways that that might show up in our lives. Right. You have an extraordinary gift though. Um, I, I remember when you and I met and mm-hmm. we began talking, I mean, we were, uh, our energies coalesced and really we were blind to what was going on around us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a gift when you meet somebody because there's a connection there that really can't be um, forced or pushed. It's just something that happens or doesn't happen. And I can imagine the energy that you had with those people. Uh, the, the latecomer had a hard time getting up to the level that you were at, right? And that was the uncomfortableness because when you're in spirit and you're having a conversation with somebody, I just find that it is hard to bring people in mm. and have them be at the same level that you're in because already you've developed uh, the rhythm of yeah. uh, the conversation. Right. Uh, You said something um, really uh, interesting, and that is the question that you need to ask yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't have the courage to Mm -hmm. ask ourselves those questions, or we don't know the question that we need to ask. Mm -hmm. And do you, what kind of exercise would, would you suggest that people journal to find out more about themselves? Like what exercise would you um, have people do if they just were like, I'm blocked. I, I don't know what mm-hmm. I should ask myself mm-hmm. because there, it's just the level of consciousness. And that's what we talk about on in my show is your level of consciousness. Um, so did you want to speak to that? Yeah, I think there's a few different ways that you can kind of go about that. Um, one of the things that I offer first is sometimes we're so, uh, when, it, when something like that's offered, so even anybody that might be listening to you right now, mm-hmm. when they heard that question asked, they might've felt something. And I think even when yes. I said, you felt something. I felt something. Yes, so, I did. Um, and then what we often want to do is immediately jump to want to try and find the answer. So my invitation would be to actually just sit in stillness mm. and apply it with that question for as long as you need. It's a practice that we call Lexio Divino, where you let, it's like the contemplative way where we let it really just almost like you let it wash over you. 
let it embed into you, let it sink into you like water soaking into a sponge, like water seeping into the earth and nurturing the roots. Mm -hmm. And that you don't have to actually get the answer right away, but your willingness to stay with the question. Um, what I love about the word question is when you break it down, it actually is quest I on. Oh, yeah, and there you, so there you go. Okay. Explain that to the audience then. No, it's the quest I on. And so when you just, you sit with that question, okay, I felt something. Did I feel something? I felt something physically in my body. So there's mm -hmm. something there. That's a warm lead. Um, I mean, maybe it even felt, this is the piece with constriction is sometimes courage to have to push through courage. It feels but there's a difference, you know, when it's really like constrictive, this is a no. And where this is like, this feels a bit painful, but it's a yes, move in that direction. Yes. And, um, and so to just sit with the question. And so I might, um, so then one of the things that I do with it then is the act of journaling, but journaling from a place that is just free writing. You're not trying mm -hmm. to find the answer. You're putting your pen to the paper. Mm -hmm. and allowing, um, there's lots of different ways that Jordan Peterson calls it writing with the pen of light. Um, mm. others call it just free, just free writing, um, conscious stream of writing. And, and so sometimes I'll write that question at the top and then I'll open it up to God or mm -hmm. to whatever thing is bigger than me and say, and just be open. I am open to listening. I'm open to hearing. I'm open to whatever's being revealed. And then I just start writing and I joke with my clients sometimes being like the very first thing that comes to your mind is Juliana told me this question and I have no idea what the answer is. And she just keeps telling me to keep writing. So I'm just going to keep writing and maybe something's going to come. And, you know, this is feeling a bit frustrating in me and I'm getting lost. And, you know, but if there was an answer to this question, what could it be? What could the many possible answers be? Let me just start here. Mm -hmm. What am I starting to get? And I'll just like, just write whatever comes out. Sometimes you might even just start writing about a frustration from the day before or something that you just saw. And then eventually what comes out. And so um, this is a, the, the morning pages tool is something that comes from Julia Cameron. She wrote mm -hmm. the artist way, the artist way. And her, what she offers. And it, there really is something in it that is to write three full pages. So it takes sometimes depending on the size of your page, 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> and um, how, and how big you write to get right, through the yeah. three pages. Yeah. It can be, it's, that, it's cathartic, yeah. right? Yeah, there's something that happens when I get to the third page, that's often there's something that clicks out mm -hmm. and something that comes up and I'm like, ah, oh, there it is. Okay, there's the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. Or might this be it? Usually what it, what the way that it shows up when a client or somebody I'm talking to offers the question is they discount it right away. And then I pull it back into the frame because it'll have like, it'll and it, sometimes it almost has a giggle behind it or like, you know, I thought about this and, and then it just like whispers away, like it was falling on the wind and we go, mm -hmm. no, no, let's bring that one back. Mm -hmm. What was that right there? Cause it's like, I'm going to say it really fast, but maybe nobody will hear it. Yes. <laughs> keep going. And if I just like, I, does that count? And I'll be like, oh, okay, let's pull this one back into the frame. And mm -hmm. so paying attention to just those rhythms within yourself of what's coming out, what does that feel like? Um, so I think that that form of journaling can really be helpful to begin to identify that, you know, what is the question that I'm most afraid to ask mm -hmm. um, and, and sitting with it and see what begins to come out. And it might even take you, depending on where you are, you might be like, well, you might start with like, well, what is fear anyway? What does that mean to me? 
Like you can go anywhere you want with it. You're again, I, I want to like, just bring it back to like your soul, your spirit will know where to take you on this. And so, yeah, that's, and that's what you trust. Mm -hmm. I am sitting here and my soul and my spirit are holding this pen and we're just going to dance a little bit. We're going to see what begins to come out. No expectations, but just staying with it, continue to nurture it, continue to come to it. I think there's a relationship for me. It was a very much, I remember when I was going through some of these big changes in my life, Mm -hmm. I am re I'm coming back into a relationship with my soul and my spirit so that it can trust me again. It knows that I am on the team because it's there all of the time, Mm -hmm. but I'm not always listening and following. Mm -hmm. And so how do we build trust? We show up consistently again and again, how does something, anything begin to work? So if you want us to see results in your physical fitness, you show up to it every day to see those results. So if we want to begin to, let's, we just keep showing up to the page. We just keep showing up to the question. We keep mm-hmm. showing up, we keep showing up. And then we begin to have um, more revealed to us. And I think being open to it, showing up in so many different ways. You know, sometimes we get like, we've decided we want it to just look like this, or we have an expectation. It's going to feel like this, mm-hmm. but we're really open to all of the different ways that it might show up. So, and then the other, the last thing I'll say on that is that, um, what's occurring here is an interrupt and a breaking of patterns. And so sometimes an easy ways are not easy, but a way that can begin to support you to open up your realm of potentiality and possibilities is by starting to pay attention to what am I habitually doing every day? And how can I just change up the pattern? Something as simple as I'm just going to turn, take a different road to work in the morning. I always walk, leave my house and turn right to take a walk. I'm going to leave my house and turn left. I'm going to drive down the street. And if, and all of a sudden I feel like I want to stop at that park. And instead of just thinking it, I'm actually going to stop at the park and sit at that bench for a moment. Um, I always hold my like glass in the right hand. I'm going to hold it in the left hand, like anything that can be a small pattern change or pattern Mm -hmm. interrupt Mm -hmm. can start to kind of give us that sense of that there gets of um, exploring what it feels like to have, to to feel something new or to feel a change. And it can just interrupt the patterns within us, Mm -hmm. but we get these little moments that come to us, like turn right, not left. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And sometimes you uh, save yourself from a car accident. Yeah. Right. And yeah. yeah. And so what that helps as well is it helps you to be present. And when you're present, uh, then you can feel more of who you are. And when I journal, um, and this is, this is a great thing to think about too, is I come from the place where I'm courting my soul Mm. because I'm here on my, it's my soul's journey. This, this body is going to leave. And my soul is going to continue on wherever it's going to continue on. So I spend time uh, in courting my soul every morning. Even if I have two pages of things that I have to do today, I do better when I have my soul with me. 
yeah. and I'm grounded and it helps me be more present, more productive and all those things. Yeah. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant show right now, whose podcast is being treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Simatrax. And today I am speaking with Juliana Bootsman. Please let the listeners know where they may contact you, reach out to you. They can find me on my company is called Whitebox Leadership. So they can go to whiteboxleadership.com. They can find me on LinkedIn or YouTube under Juliana Bootsman. And um, yeah, so reach out to me in any of those places. Wonderful. Thank you. You know, um, when I was T-boned and I left my body or my soul, took a hike, I'm out of here. Um, I began writing about things that I always wanted to write a book. And I just was felt called to write this book. And the thoughts of people um, reading that book or knowing more about me terrified me, because I'm a very private person. And here I'm writing this book that shows all. And so it's hidden from view, that real, true essence of who you are is hidden because people um, don't know that part of you. And my special ability sometimes would scare a person because they would think that I would be able to read their mind or something like that, which I cannot do. I don't have that ability to do that. But when you share with the world uh, the true essence of who you are, it can be really scary. And I scare easy, right? Um, but I found that when it came close to producing the book uh, and, and marketing it, that it the the fright just disappeared and boy it just doors opened for me as soon as i published that book it yeah. was incredible um amazing yeah I, and yeah. so i encourage i encourage listeners to we don't know where our journeys will lead us but we need to take that first step mm. and journaling is is true well Dr. Joel Bryant, who I've interviewed a couple of times on my podcast, says journaling is magic. And I really, I really uh, see that. Mm -hmm. uh, what I hear and what you shared there, and this is goes in line with this COA model that I teach and share, mm -hmm. is that we, we can't like not to place story on what the experience of the action is actually going to be. Yeah. Ah, the story yes. that you placed would have placed on it is I'm, I scare easily. I'm going to mm -hmm. be afraid. It's going to be hard. But by yes. the time you'd actually gone through the whole owning phase, yeah, you, you wanted to write a book, you just didn't know you wanted to do this stuff and eventually experience that action. You went through the full owning phase. And by the time you spent the time there and you got to action, it actually wasn't scary. No. None of that, that fear wasn't there. That experience that you would have thought or the story you would have placed on it wasn't there, but it might've been if the process that you went through was different and you just tried to push that action. And you might've felt all of those triggers and all of those things, who knows, we don't know that, but, mm -hmm. but, but what you, what you shared there is that the action really was, wasn't what you might have thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And so I would yeah. even be curious with that. Like in some instances you must scare easily, but you actually aren't someone that always scares easily because that wasn't your truth. No. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, so it, it just was, it was very cathartic and I really, my life has been enriched so much since I've done it. And the closer I got to publishing, 
the less the fear was because fear we put we can stack fear we can just stack fear upon fear upon fear and then you do nothing right Mm -hmm. and I you know I'm an entrepreneur so I certainly uh knew how to keep on moving forward with a project and that's exactly and don't you find that even your chapters and writing a book that it takes they it takes on its own personality yeah and you just end up being the caretaker of it and and making sure that it gets to where it needs to get to uh tell me what extraordinary experience have you had in your life um we were kind of alluding to this i think earlier and and when i sat on it was that that part where i talk about in the jahari window the pieces that we keep hidden Mm-hmm. Um, was the things that I thought that I could, that I, that, um, that I had to most keep hidden that when I actually revealed them, I was met with more unconditional love than ever before in my life. Oh, so, that, what a teaching. Oh, and, thank you so much. And it was all sorts of things. So one of the things that it took me, um, I suffered from bulimia for eight mm-hmm. years and it was, this is in the chapter that I wrote there, but uh, it started at the beginning of when I'd said yes to marry what is now my former husband, all the way to when my son was born was when I found out I was pregnant with my son. Um, and the bulimia stopped. I have a, I have a, a, a video, the talk that I did called mirror of the soul that tells just a shortened version of this story, um, that speaks about that moment, my bathroom floor moment where I found out I was pregnant with my son and I threw up one last time. And I looked at the mirror and I said, this is not who I am. I will not be nine months pregnant and throwing up in the bathroom, Um, not from nausea, but from self-induced suffering. Um, And so I looked in the mirror and I saw who I am and I knew who I was and it Mm -hmm. stopped in that moment. But then I carried so much shame over the fact that I had dealt severe. Like I was binging and purging every day and it was a secret. I told nobody about it. One of my best friends knew I was struggling a bit with it, but I didn't, didn't say the severity or how disgusting it was Mm -hmm. and like the things that I did and anybody that's going through this on a severe level, like I see you. And it's like, I mean, I would steal food from the grocery store so that it wouldn't show up on the grocery bill. And I would just like hide those extra things so that it didn't the amount that I was eating wasn't showing up on the grocery bill. Oh, okay. And, and so the, like out of integrity, out of alignment and keeping it secret. And, and to this day, when I tell people the story, sometimes, and they see me, they're like, I honestly, Jelena, I hear you. And I believe you, but I, I, I can't even imagine that was you. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know, Dan, do you know how many other people are living that kind of a story mm-hmm. where what you see on the outside, there's no way that you could piece together that they could have this, that they live with, or that they could operate and behave in some of those ways. Mm-hmm. And so I know it because I lived it. And then I, because it, it also went away, what I want to say almost like in a moment. And then I've never, it's never come back. I've never, there's been moments where I've been felt like a twinge of, Oh, this is where the binging would have happened. Okay. And it doesn't now, but I felt like I didn't know how to help anybody through it because I got over it so easily. And, um, and so that shame and carrying it. And then when I finally was in a place where I could connected what had actually happened, that, that what was a large part of what happened in that moment was the relationship with me having the, you know, my first son 
was, was me being able to bring out the, the pure essence of who this child is. And that was essentially my coach role. Like me coming into my divine mother was what helped me was a larger part of what really happened in the moment on that bathroom floor, but sharing it out loud for the first time. And then as I've continued to share that story, being met with unconditional love. And there's been other things in my life that, you know, that we would feel like if I told anybody, this is something I've thought or felt or done, I'll be shamed. I'll be executed from the Island, like whatever it is. And anytime I have brought forward those things that I felt like I had to keep hidden, I was met with love and usually a story of that's happening to me too. Mm -hmm. I have that happening in my life or whatever it is. And it creates this connection. So it's like, the love and the care for the fullness of who we are in our humanity, dark light, all the shadows, all of it is like, there's so, so much imperfection in our world and we're loved because of it. And I've experienced that in my life. And it's what I, I often say to people, like, I'm the person that like, if you called me to saying like, I need you to help me move this dead body because I just killed someone. I would come and help you through that situation. I wouldn't judge you through it. And we would work through like what we need to do as a result. Mm -hmm. without keeping it conceived, but we would move through that. And, you know, and I've had that happen where friends have called me up and come over and they've gone through something so big that they can't share anywhere else yet, but they Mm -hmm. know that space, they will be met with unconditional love and be held in it fully. Mm -hmm. And so that's the biggest awareness. I think the most extraordinary thing that I've experienced and that I just really want to continue to offer to people that they don't have to keep anything hidden, hidden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that you've been called to I your do. journey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Like I said, my vo- one vocation is love. So my calling is to know, um, I could probably say it in a couple ways, but you know, it's to really support people to, to discover and to live into the full expression of who they are in the eye of God. And so with that, it's the essence of it for me is to know love in all ways and to really support us to understand this language of love, this language of that it, that's expressed in more than words. It's expressed in the essence of our being. It's the thing that creates connection, healing, growth, like it brings forward all life in our world. And so for me, I keep being called to bring that into the place of business because that is the place where we gather to exert energy and to serve in this world more than anywhere else. And so if we're really going to create change and transformation and bring our world and to understand what it means in our life to live into that true expression of who we are and to bring ourselves into knowing what the act of love looks like, the place where we're going to learn that we're going to exercise it, we're going to experience it, we're going to bring it to reality will be in business, you know, and if we can do that there, it will create such change in our world, which is scary too. And we're going to be in it and, and we can do it. Mm-hmm. We absolutely can do it. For our listeners, you know, sometimes we're having hard days, we're raising our children. And if you just take a moment and feel the love that's in your heart and speak from there, uh, you'll find, first of all, it calms you and it'll bring a kindness. A kindness will exude from your soul. And and speak from that, from that part. Mm. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, Juliana. Uh, What a packed, jam-packed podcast this has been. 
you are a brilliant woman. Um, you have a lot of courage uh, to go from the uh, relationship that wasn't working out yeah. on the spiritual level. It wasn't working out for you when you're uh, harming your body the way mm. you know you were and going to a place that you're loved. You have a partner now that uh, you are on that journey together, mm. the spiritual journey together. So thank you so much for being on the show. You've yes. taught our listeners an enormous amount. I Every time I speak with you, I learn so much from you. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for having me. Truly, I feel the same way right back to you. And I'm really grateful for how you show up in the world. Thank you. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant show, Sun on the Water, is composed and performed by my friend, John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.